Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, my friends. I hope all is well with you. For those of you who are feeling well, I praise God, and I pray that you continue to be that way. For those of you who have been under the weather, and even those of you among us who have contracted COVID, I pray for God's healing in your life, and I look forward to the day when we can be together again and chat. God bless you. I'd like to read to you from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, a verse just to kick off this morning's message. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. The latest statistics reveal that the average American male is 5 feet 9 inches tall. And if that is correct, then at 6'2", I am taller than the average guy. But I certainly look up to Dick Lewis, who is even taller. I used to be 6'3". Two back surgeries and 74 years of gravity have taken away at least an inch from my body, and it's probably going to continue in the days ahead. In contrast, the latest statistics reveal that the average Jewish male is 5 feet 1 inches tall. Why is this important, and why am I telling you this? Because I want us to look for a moment at a man in the Bible named Zacchaeus. Listen to how he is described. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector of the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. We learn four things about Zacchaeus in these words. First, he lived in Jericho, a town in the valley of Israel, the great rift valley, and on the banks of the Jordan River. Second, he was the chief tax collector in the region. Third, he was very rich. And fourth, he was too short to see over the crowd. And consider this. Today, that crowd would have averaged five feet, one inches tall. He must have been something as short as perhaps four, six. The story continues revealing that Jesus sees this man perched in a sycamore tree and stops to speak with him. Listen to what Jesus said. Calling him by name, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And sure enough, Zacchaeus got more than just a chance to see Jesus. He got to have him as a guest for lunch in his Jericho home. The people were astounded and perplexed that Jesus would go home to the home of a tax collector, especially the chief tax collector of the region. We don't know anything about the conversation the two of them shared. All we know is that something amazing, even magical, must have happened. Jesus clearly inspired Zacchaeus. Listen to the outcome. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, 
I will give them back four times as much. Jesus clearly inspired Zacchaeus to give. And in this case, it was wealth that he gave. But what else did Zacchaeus have? My guess is that he was short on friends, pun intended. But he was long on cash. So Zacchaeus gave what he had. Now, this story is certainly about giving with an economic lesson. And we've already had a series on financial stewardship last month. Please understand, today is not another sermon on our financial resources. Today, I want to speak with you about giving in other ways, because I'm convinced that people who really know Jesus will be inspired to give in many ways. I will help us get to know two people who were inspired by Jesus to give a little better today. The first will be Matthew, also known as Levi, and the other is Paul, also known as Saul. Pray with me as we begin together. Instruct us in your ways, Lord, including this preacher today. Pour upon us the grace of your son, Jesus, that we might be inspired by him to be generous with our lives. In his name I pray. Amen. We begin with Matthew, also known as Levi. We discover Matthew in the ninth chapter of the gospel he wrote. Listen to this. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Matthew 9, 9 to 10. Well, who is this Matthew? What was his life about? And how was he inspired by Jesus to become a giver? What did he give? Matthew was certainly Jewish. His original name, Levi, gives that away. It's a name depicting the priestly tribe of Israel. Yet Matthew was no priest, far from it. Perhaps why he had chosen another name as well. Matthew had long before become a tax agent for Rome, the country that now occupied the nation of Israel. It is doubtful that he had many friends outside the circle of other tax agents, all of whom were considered as sinners and outside the family of the Hebrew people. As Jesus was walking through the northern villages and towns of Galilee, he spots Matthew sitting in the tax collecting booth. Jesus has been gathering disciples to follow him on a new adventure of faith, a new adventure of faith for the nation of Israel and ultimately for the whole world. My guess, it's just a guess, is that Matthew was one of those people who as a child was never chosen early for anything. And at this moment, and in a tax booth for Rome, an upstart and winsome young rabbi is now asking him to be his follower. All we know is that Matthew got up and followed him. It is written in a way that immediately he gave up his tax-collecting life and gave himself to Jesus. And what's amazing to me is that this man who was truly an outcast of his people becomes the most Jewish of authors of all the gospel writings. Perhaps he had tried his whole life to prove that he was still a faithful Jew. 
Once again, he gives himself to Jesus as he shines as one of the one who writes the Jews to Jews to show that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Throughout Matthew's gospel, we find him revealing Jesus fulfilling the Hebrew prophecy like this. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophets. I called my son out of Egypt. Here's one more example from Matthew. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judah was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warmed in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Jesus invited Matthew to follow him. Matthew readily gave up his career and gave himself to Jesus. And then Jesus inspired Matthew to give his life to showing the Hebrew people that he, Jesus, was the fulfillment of all the messianic prophecy they had learned in synagogue and temple. Let's make this personal. Jesus has chosen you and me to follow him. What did you, what did I give up to follow him? And now that we are followers of Jesus, what has Jesus inspired you to give your life to? Jesus does call us to himself, calling us to be consumers of his love and salvation. Does he have you? Does he really have you? Does he completely have you? Jesus also calls us as ambassadors or distributors of his love and salvation for others. How's it going? Are others becoming followers of Jesus because of me? Are others becoming followers of Jesus because of you? These are important questions and need to be asked regularly in our lives. Then in contrast with Matthew, who was an outcast, a tax collector, a sinner, we have Paul, also known as Saul. Unlike Matthew, he was a rising star among the Hebrews, most likely chosen among the first, if not the first, as a child in school. He's now been chosen as an agent of truth and discipline among the Pharisees. Highly educated both as a Jew, especially in Jewish law, as well as a Roman citizen with all its rights and privileges. Unlike Matthew, Saul had an abundance of friends, Jewish friends, only Jewish friends, and he was not tarnished by friendships with Gentiles. 
They were not the chosen of God. They were not included. We find Saul early in the book of Acts as an enforcer of the status quo. He supports the death penalty for any of the followers of Jesus. He is aggressive. He views life in black and white, right or wrong, no shades of gray. You either toe the line or you're out of line, and for that you must be punished. He not only, not only participates in carrying out the death penalty, he also pursues these followers of Jesus to distant places in and out of Israel for punishment. It was on one of those pursuits of Jesus' followers that he experiences Jesus in a miraculous way. Listen. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. That light temporarily blinded Saul, so he had to be helped into the city of Damascus. And the Lord let him ponder his condition and the words spoken to him for three days and nights. He was finally visited by Ananias, a Jesus follower. Saul's sight was miraculously restored. He gave himself to Jesus. He gave up his law and order lifestyle and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus inspired him even to speak in the synagogue of Damascus that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Now some of the Jews in Damascus plotted to kill him, so the Jesus followers safely snuck him out of town and returned him to Jerusalem. The Jesus followers in Jerusalem had great difficulty accepting Saul until Barnabas stepped in and brought him directly to the apostles. To making a long and a very intriguing story short, Saul becomes Paul and also became the apostle of Jesus to, of all people, the Gentiles. As Matthew was given the mission of salvation to the Jewish people, those who had shunned him, now Paul is given the mission of salvation to the Gentiles, those whom he had shunned. When we give ourselves to Jesus, he gives to us a mission. True for Matthew, true for Paul, true for me, and true for you. We are, my friends, not normally inclined to give ourselves. To give ourselves includes our time. To give ourselves includes our abilities. To give ourselves includes our talents. To give ourselves includes our stuff. To give ourselves 
is to give our whole self. We don't give because it's natural, because it's not. We give because it's supernatural. And it's the inspiration of God himself through his Son and Holy Spirit that we become people who give. God puts in his people the inspired desire to respond to need. God puts in his people, those who are truly his people, the inspired desire to be generous. When God and Jesus Christ enters and controls our life, we become giving people. And I dare say that the more control he has in our life, the more giving we become. Here at Bethany, we have agreed together on two things. Number one, Jesus calls us to give ourselves to him, personally and all together. This is a church where Jesus is Lord and people are followers of Jesus. And second, Jesus has revealed to Bethany our mission. We are to give ourselves to invite people to know God. We are to give ourselves to inspire people to follow Jesus. And we are to give ourselves to involve people in service to our neighbors, both near and far. Paul and Matthew give us wonderful examples. And there are in this congregation scores and scores of examples of people who have given themselves to Jesus and are now giving from Jesus to the world around us. Pray with me. Inspire us, Jesus, to give ourselves completely to you. Inspire us, Jesus, to give ourselves to invite, inspire, and involve others for you. In your name we pray. Amen.